Welcome to Foothills Youth Podcast, where we help people follow Jesus. I hope these resources are a blessing to you. We are a student ministry based out of Northwest Calgary, and our hope, our desire, is that we see students become resilient disciples in a post-Christian nation. So may this podcast just be a blessing to you in your journey. Hey friends, so I want to introduce to you a uh, good friend of mine, his name's Kyle Harnett. You've already met him because he's just walked around and met you all. Um, but he's the, the lead pastor and planting pastor at Capstone Church, which meets in... Jubilations Dinner Theater. Jubilations Dinner Theater. It's a sweet place to meet. And, uh, and he's doing great things for the kingdom down there. He's got an awesome team. He's got an awesome family. Uh, and I asked Kyle to come and speak on what we call the deeper life in the everyday. So... What does God want to do in our life that wants to transform even the things that might seem minute or little, um, but end up being like God glorifying, um, sanctifying in our own lives? And so I'm, I'm just really just going to give it over to him. Uh, I want to pray for him first. And, uh, and just one quick thing, because I ask all the guest speakers to do that. If you were going to pick one um, serial mascot, who would you be and why? Serial ma- Captain Crunch. Oh, that was easy. <laughs> you just imagine how many people have a hard time with it that? Just, it just came to me. I'm like, I would be Captain Crunch. Yeah, that's good. Okay. I think, here's why. The first time I ever preached at Jubilation, so it's got this big set design, so it looks like we're a mega church, even though we're a mini church. Um, that was That's funny. That, that was funny. A pastor, that is funny. Yeah, I, I even waited. Yeah, he smiled. He smiled. I saw it. I'm with you. I got one of you. The rest is fine. You're dead to me. You disappointed. No, I'm kidding. Um, and the first time I ever preached, I preached on, uh, it was called Pirates of Saskatchewan 3. Nice. So I preached from a pirate ship. So Arrogant Worms? Uh, yeah. Yeah, but that was their, their mm. first play that they did. So Sweet. While we were there. Cool. Let me pray for you. Cool. Lord Jesus, thank you for Kyle. Thank you for bringing him here tonight. And I just pray for an anointing of your Holy Spirit on him. Just, Father God, give him your words as he speaks. Let it be, um, let it be your speech. Let it be your transforming presence here as he um, is a vessel of you as he speaks to us. Thank you for him. I pray that you would open our eyes and ears to see and to hear what you want us to see and to hear the places in our souls and our lives where maybe you want to do some transforming work, uh, where you want us to, to, uh, to, to let go of, of the tightly gripped places of our lives and ask for surrender. pray we'd be willing to surrender. So thank you for me. pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. How many of you, I wonder, how many of you have prayed for somebody and you, it was one of those prayers where you meant it? You know, not the, not the ones we do sometimes with our youth. I was a youth pastor and a youth leader like you. I was a youth leader for four years. But one of those prayers where you, with everything you have, you are calling on God to move in someone's life. And nothing happened. And you know it, and they know it. See, for years when I, when I worked with teens, I would pray, and sometimes I would pray and I would mean it. You know, you had that prayer, you just mean it. You want this kid to experience God's love, and you're praying and praying and praying, and nothing happens. Tonight, I want to talk to you about what if that were to never happen to you again. See, one of the promises of Jesus is this, that he, he would actually put his spirit in us in such a way 
that when we would ask him to do anything in his name, the answer would always be yes 100% of the time. Andrew, uh, he asked me to come here and talk to you about how do you, how do you be filled with God's spirit? Which for some of you is probably very exciting. Like some of you in this room, I know some of you. I don't know who you are, but I'll find out in a little bit. But some of you, some of you, you read the Bible and you read it and you, you read all the things that happen in the book of Acts and you go, what if that could be me? And your heart starts beating a little faster. And then some of you, you're like me. You did what I used to do, which you go, ah, that was for those times. The stuff that happened in the book of Acts, the stuff that Jesus and his first followers did, that was for then, and, and now we're just left to do our best with what we have. Um, and so I want to share with you, uh, out of God's word tonight, how he actually wants to fill you with his spirit in such a way that heaven actually meets earth that heaven would actually touch earth. Here's why. Here's why. Here's why this is so important. So important. So important. Because here's what's going to happen. Saturday night is coming at a youth retreat. And actually years ago, you get, none of you know this, years ago, Nicole, she, would, she came out I think twice to youth retreats of ours when I was a youth pastor and sang and, and heaven would come down and, and people would start crying. Even some of the men. <laughs> some of the male leaders. They would start crying, and snot would run from their face. And they would commit their lives to Jesus. And there would be this remarkable moment, but the problem is most of us do not know how to sustain that level of passion and love for Jesus. So tonight, as I was on my way over, I was praying for you all. And I have a deep sense of a couple of things. One, I have a sense of the Father's affection for you. The deep love of God for you in this room. And the second was this, that if... If we have open hearts tonight, if we really go after Jesus with our whole hearts, I actually believe that this will be prep work to start a great revival in Foothills Alliance Youth, where not only will church kids be changed by the power of God, but it will actually trickle out into the high schools and junior highs. And if there's anything we know that teenagers need now, it's the power of God. So I, if you got a Bible, you can flip to John chapter 14. We're going to read some verses that are uh, pretty fun, pretty wild, and I think hold the keys if you'll take them to how, to how to live a life of power through the Spirit of God. A uh, little background. So John 14, Jesus, he's, he's eating the Passover meal with his first followers. There's 12 of them with him. Uh, Judas is still kicking around, I believe. He might have ducked out in, in chapter 13. He's gone. He's gone. Judas is out of there. <laughs> so now we're down to 11. Now we're down to 11. But Jesus, Jesus made the mood kind of awkward. Here, here's a couple of things he did. One, while they're all eating, Jesus gets up. He throws a towel on his arm. He, he strips down a little bit into his like just work undergarments. You know, he's wearing like a wife beater and some like work pants. And he starts washing feet. And in an honor-shame culture, Jesus was taking the most shameful position and serving his closest followers. And then Jesus starts talking about his death. He says, I'm going to die. <laughs> you know, not fun dinner talk. And then he looks around and he says, you're all going to betray me and walk away. And then Peter goes, not me. And he goes, especially you, Peter. And then he says this, do not let your hearts be troubled. 
Trust in God. Trust also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would, I would have told you. I am going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You know the place to where I'm going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really knew me, you would know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him, and you've seen him. I'll pause there and make a couple of points. And then I'm going to tell you a bunch of stories, and the stories are going to make me sound good. Like, really good. Here's what I, I really do need you to know this. Um, you know, when I was, some of you, you might be around the age where I experienced my spiritual transformation. I was, I was a big drunk. I was running away from God. I, uh, I used women. I would try to make them fall in love with me. And then when they fell in love with me, I would throw them away because I was trying to prop up the emptiness I felt in my own soul. Anything that is good that has come from my life has come because of Jesus. Actually. I need you to know that because if you miss that, you, you, you may make something of me. And, uh, you know, I, man, I so don't want to be falsely humble. Like, I hate that false humility garbage. But there just really is a sense in which Jesus, uh, I'm not humble. I was just a drunk. And I was one who used people to, to build up myself. So I'm going to tell you some stories of what the spirit-filled life can look like. But I need you to get this first point. How do you get filled with the Holy Spirit? Here's the whole idea. Jesus, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to the Father except through me. Now, we typically use that to say this, and this is true. There is no way to get right with God except through Jesus. That's really important. I, I, I'm guessing most of you believe that. Like, There's not many roads to God. But here, here's the one thing that I think is important. What you also need to know is... Uh, when Jesus says, there's only one way to the Father, it's through me, he doesn't say, it's through me and your great youth leading. Or, it's through me and your good behavior. Through me and it's, it's just through him. Here's why I say that, it's really important. Some of you in this room, you believe lies that the deep filling of Jesus Christ in your life is not available to you because you're naughty. You go, if you only knew you knew my secrets, then you'd know there's no way God wants to fill me with more of his presence. Hear me. The reason why you can be filled with the Spirit of God is because Jesus Christ, who is the way, the truth, and the life, has made a way. It is not because of your good behavior. When the Spirit of God filled me in a way that changed my life, I was a drunk who used women and threw them away like disposable cups. I was a monster. I was a liar. I was a manipulator. There is no earning the filling of the Spirit. There is only stewarding it when it comes. That's good. That was, that was good. <laughs> there is no earning the filling of God. But he wants to fill many of you tonight. In about nine minutes. I've got about nine more minutes to change your life. I'm going to invite you to stand, some of you. You don't have to stand. But I'm going to invite some of you to stand and go, God, I want more of you. I want to experience everything that Jesus promised. And Andrew and Nicole and myself will come around. We'll just maybe put a hand on your shoulder and pray. And some of you are going to get gloriously filled tonight. I believe that. And it will come only because of Jesus. So we'll keep going.
Jesus, you know, he says, if you knew me, you know the Father. You get When you look at me, you see God with skin on. Just kind of cool. Then verse 8 says, Philip, Philip said, Lord, show us the Father, and that's enough for us. Jesus answered, don't you know me, Philip, even after I have been among you such a long time? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words I say to you are not just my own. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Okay, we got to pause really quick. Second key idea, if you're going to understand how to be filled with this Holy Spirit. When Jesus walked around, the thing he said over and over, especially in the book of John, especially in the book of John, if you haven't read it, read it. Read it, it's great. But here's what he says. I don't say anything that I want to say. I only say what the Father says to me. And what's interesting is, again, he says, I don't do anything out of my own power. So one of the, the falsehoods that people in the church often believe is this, is that Jesus, all of the good works, all the miracles, all the power of God that came through him, we understand wrongly that that happened because he was divine. Now hear me, I believe Jesus was fully God and fully man. But whenever Jesus spoke about how he did what he did, he spoke about it doing the works of the Father. So Jesus, you know, the part where Jesus at his baptism, the Holy Spirit comes on him. Like, why is that in there? It's because everything that Jesus did, Jesus lived a fully human life, fully human, not like a turbocharged, fully human life. He lived as a real human. So he, he says this, all I do is that the Father does. And so here's the big idea. The power of God comes through human beings. It's always God's power. But he wants to work through real-life people like you and me. So he says this, uh, verse 11, Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the miracles themselves. Then he says the most scandalous thing that we never know how to interpret. Verse 12, I tell you the truth. Anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. He will do even great, he or she, okay? Equal opportunities here. <laughs> he or she will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. And he's going to talk about in like 30 seconds. He's going to the Father to send the Holy Spirit. They'll do greater things than I did. And I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Son may bring glory to the Father. You may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. Now, how many of you have read that before? How many of you? It's a spot check for your leaders, Andrew. We're, we're good. We're, these are good people. How many of you are like, what does that mean? Anything? Like anything, anything? Like some of you are like, I, I've tried this prayer thing in Jesus' name. And the works. Jesus says, I'm going to do greater works. Now, here, here's, here's how most theologians. I have my master's degree. I'm working on my doctoral program right now. So I just want you to know I can be very, very theological if you'd like me to. Here's how theologians typically have interpreted this verse. When Jesus speaks of his works, he's speaking of his love and kindness. And because the church is bigger than Jesus now in the coming of the Spirit, we can do what he did in love and kindness. But they're all wrong. You know how I know? Because I read the Bible. <laughs> Three of you laughed. <laughs> nice. You, you, I, at least you guys laugh at my failing jokes. I appreciate it. I got to get something, you know. 
In verse 11, Jesus says, if you're not going to trust me, trust at least the miracles. I, in the Greek, which, you know, might sometimes is a helpful tool. Usually it's not. It's usually overrated. Jesus says, the works I do. And then he says, greater works will you do. Jesus is speaking about the demonstration of the power of God. And he says, this is for you. And then he says this, uh, you have to do it in my name. And so doing something in the name of Jesus means doing it in alignment with him. So sometimes we, you know, how many of you grew up in church and using the Lord's name in vain was when you used it like a swear word? Stab your toe, oh God. And then you're like, oh, I broke the third commandment. Anybody, anybody? That's how I was taught for forever. Thank you, Nick Kennedy. That's how I was taught. Here's what it really means. In the ancient world, using the name meant meant, uh, being in an alignment as a representative of the person, the totality of their character, their conduct, and the way they live. So to to do something, so here's here's how you use the Lord's name in vain. You say, God told me to, and then you do something horrible. That's what it means to use the Lord's name in vain. God told me it's time to tell you off. Or God is, you know, He's pro-racism. That was used in the church for a long time. That's using the Lord's name in vain. So to do something in the name of Jesus means to be in perfect alignment with him. Okay, so now let me, let me be testimonial for two minutes. So when I was 19, I was uh, almost 20. And... No, uh, <laughs> 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 I'm good tonight. <laughs> help him, Jesus. He needs your help. <laughs> I was just almost 20. I was 19, almost 20. But my pause, my pause confused everything. <laughs> I, uh, we were singing. It, they did this horrible thing. So uh, when you're a drunk and you don't want to be at church, but you go just because it'll make your folks happy. The worst thing in church is singing. Sorry, Nicole. It's the worst. I love it now. It's the worst. And I was standing there. And I was standing there, and I was with a, a druggie. He was a cocaine addict, and I was a drunk. And we were just standing there. And we're singing. And we used to sit front row dead center. It was an act of rebellion against our parents because they wouldn't sit at the front. So we sat together at the front. And uh, we were singing. And all of a sudden, the weighty presence of Jesus came into the room. It was weird. It's like God grabbed my heart, squeezed. Remember, I started weeping. I was crying, which was embarrassing. My self-talk, the thing I said to myself was, Kyle, stop crying. You're embarrassing yourself. Then I looked out of the corner of my eye, and my buddy, the cocaine addict, he was weeping. Then I looked back, and the rest of the church, they were doing what I call the holy sway. <laughs> like when worship's really kicking, but it's kind of, it was a reserved church. Maybe not much different than Foothills. <laughs> so there was all the adults. All the, all the Jesus lovers were doing this, and us renegades are bawling at the front. <laughs> I got on my knees, and I prayed this prayer. I said, Jesus, you win. Whatever you want, whatever you ask, I will do it. A couple of things happened, and I'll tell you one or two stories from recent. Um, I got up off my knees a changed man. Here's, here's what happened. It was like every bad, despicable thing I had ever done, every secret I ever had ever kept, every lie I had ever told. It's like all of the guilt 
And more importantly, all the shame went away. See, some of you, I know you feel dirty if you're honest. What you need is a filling of the Spirit. All of it left. I got up a different person. I started reading the Bible like a crazy man. It was, it was wild. I started believing the Bible because I had this weird experience where the love of God just filled my heart. So recently I've decided I just want to believe everything Jesus has for me. I want to try. He says, you can pray in my name. Now, again, in alignment, surrender to him. Not just my own will. Not like, ah, Corvettes. <laughs> in Jesus' name. <laughs> no, that doesn't work, okay? Just so you know, because it's not in his name. But tonight we're going to pray for something in about two minutes to be filled with the Spirit of God. And I know that that's the will of God. Now, some of you might say, well, what if I don't get filled? A little faith, please, okay? But also, if you don't get filled tonight, it's okay. It's okay. doesn't mean God doesn't love you. It just means there might be a different path for you ahead. Anyways, I've been trying to just walk in the sense of the presence of the Spirit of God. So uh, I'll tell you... One, maybe two stories. I'll look at Andrew, and he'll give me the when my time's up. Uh, in our in our church, we uh, we had a woman show up at our church, and so I'm just trying to listen. Like Jesus, Jesus said, "I only do what I hear the Father say." So here's what it looks like for me to listen to the Spirit of God. I go, "God, is there anything I should do?" And then I wait for a thought to come into my head. I call it think, pray. God speaks to me, and He speaks to you in your thoughts. And here was the one thing that He told me. He said. And she was pretty new to our church. I didn't know her. And he said, you need to go talk to her. And you need to ask her about the secret that's killing her soul. <laughs> Weird thought in my head. <laughs> so I just walked over to her. Okay. Hey. <laughs> hey, what's your name? I'll make up her name was Cheryl, let's say. It wasn't Cheryl, but you might know her. You might not. So I said, Cheryl, I just need to do something. And this might seem a little odd. A secret that's killing you. And she started weeping and bawling. She hadn't been in church for months. Grow up going to church, but you know, her, her story, she was not a believer. But she had to go to church to make things right. Here's what had happened three months before she had had an abortion. Hadn't told anybody. And she felt that God could never love her. And so I got to uh, sit with her and pray with her. I want to tell you one story about Cheryl. It was really amazing. Just praying, just going. So, I, you know, after we talked about that a little bit, we, we set up a prayer time and just sat and said, Jesus, is there anything you want to say to her? Is there any lies she believes that keeps her from experiencing the fullness of your spirit? And is there anybody she needs to forgive? Because Jesus said, you got to forgive people from the heart. And so the one thing that came to Cheryl's mind was simply this. She couldn't forgive herself. She knew Jesus had forgiven her. So I just, I had this little sense. Again, this little thought coming into my head. That's how God speaks to me most often. He speaks to me through his word all the time. But then his word and ideas from him come into my mind. So I was praying and, and I just said, you know, I think Jesus wants to heal a moment in your life. That's all I know. He just wants to heal a moment in your life. I said, okay. And uh, so I just said, hey, Jesus, would you bring to mind in Cheryl's life? any moment you'd want to heal her up. And she, I'm like, just, you know, Cheryl, close your eyes. If anything comes to mind, just just tell me. And she goes, 
yeah, I got a memory right away. What is it? She's like, I'm on the gurney. I'm so skinny. She was in a really abusive relationship with a, with a bad man. And uh, they, she's like, it's right in the middle of the operation, the abortion. And ironically, you guys are talking about this tomorrow. And uh, she said, the nurse is there. She's holding my head, and there's so much pain. And I look at her, and I say, something's wrong. It hurts so bad. And then she says, I know, sweetie, it always does. And she's weeping and bawling, and she's filled with shame. And then I got a sense that Jesus said, I want to show her myself in this memory. See, Jesus is everywhere, right? God's everywhere. He's omnipresent. So I asked the Holy Spirit, Spirit, would you show my friend Cheryl where Jesus is? And Jesus is standing right beside her, and he says to her, here's what he says, not my words, but he speaks to her in prayer. He says this, Cheryl, I have your baby. He's with me now. He's completely at peace. You, you do not need to feel guilty anymore. I have him. I've never seen someone cry like that in my life. And Jesus said her glory is the free. She was filled with the Spirit in a profound way. I'll tell you one other story. See, Jesus, here's what I, I need you to hear. Uh, I was a drunk and a scared man, and a, mostly just a boy. I was fearful and running from God, and then he, he just needed one little thing. He needed surrender. And now I'm learning to go, Lord, I just want to be in your will. So if I hear you say something, I'll do it. One other story. This one's like three weeks old. Another interesting story. I was at a wedding, doing a wedding. I get to do those sometimes. They're, they're usually fun, but sometimes long. <laughs> Some of you guys should be saying amen. You should be pumped. You know. You know. So I was at a wedding, and uh, there was this violinist, and the violinist had been at uh, the same wedding that I was at like six months ago. Like she's, she's on tour, you know, violining at weddings, making cash. Anyways, we're at this wedding, and it's a small wedding, and it's an outdoor wedding, and it's supposed to start at like five. I show up at 4.30 responsibly, ready to handle all issues that could arise. At 5 o'clock, I'm there waiting. The bridal party doesn't come till 6.20. 6.20, and I'm outside. So I'm between 5 o'clock and 6.20. At about 5.05, I'm like, well, this is stupid. I'm going to go talk to somebody. <coughs> and I said, Lord, is there anything you'd like me to do? Sometimes there's not. Eh? Like sometimes nothing comes to mind. They said, go talk to the violinist. Now, the violinist, she, uh, like a, a striking young woman. I'm a married guy, and I'm like, wow, that's kind of weird. Like, I, I, I'm a pastor. <laughs> there are boundaries, okay? <laughs> I cannot go, but I'm going to talk to her. And as I'm walking over, here's what comes into my mind. She, she's cut herself. Anything else, Lord? Just quiet. So I wander on over. We start talking. We, so you're, you know, in, in the wedding gig business. Because I'm like, I you don't lead in with that. So I, I hear you cut yourself. No. <laughs> not a good lead. It's not. It's not a good lead. But uh, I talked to her and I just said, uh, 
started talking about spirituality. We just kind of got onto the topic. I was just looking, trying to find. And she said, oh yeah, I'm big into the new age. I'm like, cool. <laughs> or not. <laughs> She's like, yeah, Ouija boards and tarot cards and crystals and you name it. And then I said to her, I said, most people who get into spirituality, they do so because they have a hole that they can feel in themselves, like a, like a hole in their soul. She's like, yeah. I'm like, so what'd you do at first to try to fill it? I'm like, often people, people who have a hole, they, it's because they've been wounded. And I said, did you drink a lot or sleep with a lot of people? Or did you cut yourself? And she said, actually, all of them. Yeah, I know, because I was hearing him. Anyways, we talked, a nice little chat. And then I talked about how Jesus actually heals the soul, because he does, through his spirit when he fills you. And she's like, saying the name Jesus makes me want to vomit in my mouth. I'm like, well, thank you for being honest. <laughs> and uh, then I went and did the very long, late wedding and went home. I got home, and my wife, she was out of town or something, and I heard this very quietly. She said, you need to message her. And I'm like, Lord, I'm telling you, there are boundaries for a reason. <laughs> so I messaged her and my wife. My wife, she's totally fine with it. I just said, hey, we had a really interesting conversation. I'd love to, uh, I'd love to chat more with you about how to heal your soul. And uh, she didn't respond for like eight hours. I'm like, well, this is now terrible. I'm just a creep and a weirdo who's a pastor. <laughs> Actually, who doesn't have any boundaries, Lord? <laughs> Thanks, man. <laughs> and then, uh, like, late at night, she messaged me back. I was sleeping. And she's like, I'd love to. And uh, turned out, she's now my friend, by the way. Uh, she just had all kinds of tragedy in her life. One of which is as a, a little, like, 13-year-old, she uh, was drugged and raped. Now, hear me. You guys are working with teens. And some of you have kids who are walking through unbelievable amounts of pain. Some of it's stuff that seems pretty common. But some of these kids, they just they don't feel loved at all. And you need the power and the love of God to help them heal their soul. You need the presence of Jesus, and he wants to pour it out on you, just like he did for me, for this lady. A couple weeks ago, she prayed this beautiful prayer. It was really authentic. Jesus, I want everything you have for me. You can have my sex life and my career life and my dating life. She didn't have pretty words. She didn't know you're not supposed to say that word in prayer. <laughs> she just is really honest. So how do you get filled with the Holy Spirit? First, you must believe that it's only through Jesus who is the way truth in the life that you can have that life abundant and the fullness that he promised second is you must ask you must ask third and this one's tricky sometimes you have to wait why I don't know it's really annoying so some of you you're going to stand in like a minute you're like, he said two minutes like seven minutes ago I did I did. I lied. I'm sorry. <laughs> Some of you are going to stand and, and you're going to go, I don't know if anything happened. Some of you are going to get gloriously filled with the presence of Jesus. But you have to, sometimes you have to wait. 
and keep pursuing. Here's why, actually. I can tell you why. Here's why some of you, you won't get filled with the Spirit. I can tell you for 100%. Because God wants you to pursue Him more because He'd rather walk with you than just give you a demonstration of His power. He's way more con concerned about walking with you for the rest of your life than He is about giving you a cool spiritual moment. And I love cool spiritual moments. Love them. So it's, it's time, actually. It's time. The one requirement, the one cost of being filled with the Spirit is you must, you must surrender and you must have faith. The faith part means you must trust and actually do. You must believe Jesus when he speaks to you. And whenever God tells you to do something, like, like you need to know when God's like, she cuts herself. You know what I wasn't excited to go do? Talk to her. I wanted the wedding to start and to go home. Hey, Lord, like I've just learned to just take those steps of obedience. Sometimes they're really little, and they change people's lives. Again, mine was, I'm just going to go walk over and talk to her. That was the first step, and then more came. So you must obey, and you must surrender. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lead us all in a little prayer, and then I'm going to ask some of you to stand. Why stand? With all your friends here. This is tremendously uncomfortable to stand in front of my friends. Here's why. There is something about standing and saying, God, I need more of you that is humbling for your soul. See, God opposes the proud every time. But he always gives grace to the humble. So to stand and go, Jesus, I need more of you. If we're going to lead these teenagers into the fullness of God, you will need more of him. You just need more. I need more. But first we'll have a little prayer of surrender and then you're going to stand. So I'm going to invite you to close your eyes. and, As best you know how, fix your attention on Jesus. <coughs> and uh, in about 10 seconds we're going to pray just a simple prayer of surrender. There is no filling without surrender. You must say in some way, shape, or form, God, you win, or Jesus, I want what you have for me. So make up in your mind that you're going to be all in again. So even now, I ask you to commit, and if you're committing, tell the Lord in your head and heart, I am in for this. I am asking you now in Jesus' name to commit to give him your whole life once again. You tell him, I give you my life. I ask you now to give him all of your shame and all of your guilt. There is no need for you to walk out of this room with guilt or shame because Jesus has taken. So you tell him, Jesus, I am giving you my guilt and my shame. And I'm asking you, I'm calling you, I'm challenging you to commit your life to the mission of Jesus. So you tell him, Jesus, I'm in. And I'm going to give you about 15 seconds to ponder if there might be more for you tonight. Again, if, there's, if it's not your night, you don't have to stand. That's really okay. But if you're longing for more of Jesus, 
more of his spirit, more of his power. In 10 seconds, I'm going to ask you to stand right where you are. The rest of you, I'm going to ask you to keep your eyes closed. And if you don't stand, pray for those who did. So with that being said, those of you who know you need more, it's time. I'm just going to ask you to stand right where you are and adopt a posture of reception from the Lord Jesus and keep your eyes fixed on him, not on anyone or anything else. And here's what's going to happen. Uh, some people are going to wander around and put a hand on your shoulder and just pray that the spirit of Jesus would fill you in power in a new and fresh way. And when you've been prayed for, you can grab a seat and just keep your eyes on Jesus. Keep focusing on him. 